A lot going on, guys. Um, one, I'm excited to um, dive into this message today. God really started working on me a few weeks ago on the subject of prayer, and so we'll be, uh, you can find Isaiah 62, and then we'll be in James chapter 5 here in a moment. Uh, but a lot of good stuff coming up. We covet your prayers. We've got an encounter weekend, September 15th to the 17th. If you want to grow in your faith and grow in God and find new level of discipleship, you can uh, find information on your bulletin. Also, uh, you should have gotten a little postcard on the way in that talks about the Megan Napier Foundation. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our man Marius. He's in the back in the sound booth there. Lift up your hand, Marius. Uh, he's done a great job at bringing in uh, this gal, uh, Renee and another guy named Eric Smallridge who are going to be speaking actually around uh, Montana at different school assemblies. And uh, they're going to be at City Life Center down uh, off of Russell Street, the Youth for Christ building there, uh, sharing their story. I won't say a lot about this today, but just to say uh, Renee's daughter, uh, Megan, was killed when Eric was drunk driving one night, and now uh, Renee and Eric travel the country together. She travels with the man who actually killed her daughter and her daughter's friend. They travel the country talking about forgiveness. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) They, They travel the country talking about alcohol abuse and and uh, drinking in excess, and, and Eric talks about the power of choices and how uh, choices literally affected, he went to prison for what he did, and actually uh, Renee's family went to bat for him to help him get an early release because they felt like he had years left ahead of him. Amazing story, and so not only they're gonna be in school assemblies, they're gonna be here at Clark Fork City Church September 24th. Uh, sharing their story. It's a great day to invite a neighbor, invite a friend, uh, a great day to uh, really show off the, um, the message of Jesus, the message of forgiveness, right? And so I don't think any one of us in our own strength could find the power to forgive in the way that she did. And so uh, great job, Marius, in, in uh, just uh, putting this together and, and bringing this to our city. And and uh, here as well. Guys, be praying about who you could bring to that. I, I know it's going to be a powerful, powerful day. Just a great, easy way to say, hey, come along to church uh, and hear this amazing story. All right. Well, I want to read from Isaiah 62 and verse 6 to start. We're going to do a few weeks on prayer talk about the subject of prayer and more than a subject or a teaching. My prayer is that prayer would grip your heart. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is communication with God our Father. And this verse uh, a few weeks ago landed in my heart and it, it, although it doesn't use the word prayer, it talks, it talks about the heart behind prayer and it says this, the prophet said, on your walls, Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All day and all night they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord into remembrance, take no rest. So God's saying, I've put watchmen on your walls. People that are going to cry out day and night, basically reminding God what he said. 
And I wonder, and so we're going to call these next few weeks 626 after this verse, Isaiah 62 and verse 6, to help remind us that God has a ministry and a place for us to pray where we're going to say, God, I'm going to be on this new vantage point. I'm going to be up on the wall, so to speak, and I'm going to, maybe you've been down in the valley and you can't see what's going on in life, but God wants you to bring you to the wall of prayer and you can say, God, I'm going to cry out day and night uh, for our city, state, nation, and the world. And God's given the church a unique uh, ministry of prayer and intercession where we, our prayers actually are powerful. They, they have an effect, you guys. And so I'll come back to that scripture at the end of the message, but that's where the, this series uh, came from. And I want to look at James chapter 5, uh, beginning actually in verse 13, <coughs> uh, verse 17 and 18, the reference is on the screen, but I want to look at this New Testament uh, portion of scripture that talks about prayer. Everyone say prayer. How many of you know prayer isn't just what you do before you eat a meal? right? Uh, prayer isn't something you just do at bedtime. Uh, I share this almost every time I share about prayer, but I remember one of these prayers, and it's actually kind of terrible to teach a kid this prayer, but I remember my parents taught me this prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. Do you know this one? I pray the Lord my soul to, if I die before I wake, I pray... You know, I remember sitting there, am I going to die tonight? If I die before I wake, I pray, you know, pray the Lord my soul to take. Don't teach your kids that prayer. Do something else. I mean, those kind of uh, prayers are okay. I mean, they're, they're more mechanical than anything. We want to, prayer is encountering God. It's talking to God. It's not just God, Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it to our bodies. Bless the hands prepared it. Amen. Prayer is coming to God, having a conversation with God our Father. And, and when James, the, the writer of this book, uh, wrote about prayer, he decided to look at this guy Elijah. And I want to I read a few verses from 13 on. It says in chapter 5, Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church uh, and let them pray over him. Is anyone coughing because of the smoke outside? (laughs) Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. He who's committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and you'll be made whole. You'll be healed. And I love this part. The prayer of the righteous person has great power at its working. And then verse 17, here it is. James decides to write about Elijah when he thought about who could I talk about, uh, who could I use as an example of someone who prays? He said, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Your translation may say, Elijah was a man just like us. Normal guy, right? Normal guy. He's just like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. We don't want that prayer. For three years and six months, it did not rain. God was communicating to a generation that had turned their face from him. But then it says, 
And then he prayed and the heavens gave their rain. Someone say amen. <laughs> Come on, Lord. And then it says the earth bore its fruit. So I want to talk to you about the power of prayer and four, maybe five things if I get to it. I've got a fifth one rattling around in my heart, but I want to talk to you about your place of prayer. I want to talk to you about praying the promises. I want to talk to you about the power of prayer and then praying with persistence. And if I get to it, we'll talk about politically correct prayers. Hmm. We'll see if we get there. Are you guys with me today? <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, first, the place of prayer. When James is referencing Elijah, he's a man just like us. It's a story from 1 Kings 18 where it says Elijah went up to, we're not going to turn there, but Elijah went up to a mountain to pray for rain. He went to this place. He went to this spot. And the question, as I read that, and as I thought about this, uh, the question I have for you and God, I think God had for me, is where's your place of prayer? Do you have a place of prayer? Do you have a place where you connect with God, where God knocks on the door of your heart? And you, if, if, if you don't have a place to pray, you would know because it's that, it's that place where you meet with God regularly. And Elijah went up to the mountain. He went up to, to pray. A few weeks ago, we looked at Mark chapter one where it says Jesus withdrew to a desolate place to pray. He had to get away from the crowds. And it was, it was almost like, hey, the crowds aren't gonna set my agenda. The people aren't gonna set my agenda. Even Jesus withdrew to a solitary place where he had to pray. The disciples went to find him and they said, everyone's looking for you. And he said, no, I came here to pray. And by the way, we're going on to the next towns and villages. Even Jesus had a place of prayer. And he said in Matthew 6, he said, when you pray, go to your closet or go to the inner room, go to your place, shut the door and pray. How many moms would like to do that for a moment? My wife tries to hide in the house and the kids have a radar. They can find her anywhere. And they especially need her when she goes to the bathroom. Sorry, honey, for sharing that. But she's, uh, I can't get it. It's true. She can't go anywhere. It's like when Jesus talks about prayer in Matthew 6, he said, go to your inner room or go to your closet. Shut that door. In other words, shut things out. And I don't know about you, but there's times I pray, and it, it, my memory is scattered at best, okay? <laughs> Why are you laughing? I can be like ADD on steroids, you know, like squirrel. I see, you know, I, I can be just, it's just my personality type. And when I pray, all of a sudden I have the best memory in Western Montana. I start to think of things, I start to worry. What about that email I got the other day? We need to do this in the house. Things start coming to mind. How many are with me? And so what I started to do is have a little notebook and I'll set it there and, it, and oh yeah, that came to mind. Let me write that down. But I need to close the door to everything else and I need to start to pray. I need to have a place of prayer where nothing else comes in. And, and Jesus in Matthew 6, 5, he had referenced the Pharisees that have these loud prayers. Their prayer was a show. 
Their prayer was this kind of eloquent words and their voices changed when they prayed and they prayed in public in these big, loud, bold prayers and their religion and their faith was, it was, it was just about showing off. But Jesus said, when you pray, go to your father who's in secret and pray, go to your, go to your father and, and shut the door to everything else. And I really want to challenge us as a church individually. This part's individual. Later we'll talk about corporate, some of the ways we'll pray together. Because faith isn't just an uh, individual sport. It's, it's, it's definitely uh, corporate. But for privately and personally, How's that prayer life? How's your time with God? Have you shut the door on everything else and said, God, I'm coming to meet with you this week? For me, it's been our front porch right off the, I think it's why I'm coughing because I sit out there at night and actually for a couple nights I could see the stars. That was pretty cool. Novel, Novel concept. But Jesus said, when you go to that closet, pray to your father in secret. And you know what I love about that? He said, uh, come to God, your father. Did he know God is your father? He's approachable. You can, in fact, some of the, in Jewish tradition, they would abbreviate Yahweh or God's name and not even write it down because God wasn't necessarily approachable. They had such an awe and respect Born out of of a good heart, they wanted to respect God so much they wouldn't even write down his name or say it, right? Right? for a fear of God. And when Jesus came, and I love what the disciples did, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. You don't, hear the, you don't see them saying, teach us to preach or teach us to heal the sick. Although they learned that, the one thing the disciples asked Jesus to do, they said, hey, can you teach us to pray? And I wonder if that came from, maybe, I don't know if it was Jesus' really good teaching on prayer, like, boy, Jesus, that sermon on prayer was the other, was really great. Teach us to pray. You know what I think drove that question? I think they heard Jesus pray. I think they heard him praying and they went, wow, teach us to connect with God like that. Teach us to approach God. And when Jesus taught them to pray, he said, when you pray, say, guys, prayer isn't just in your heart or your mind or sending good thoughts, Right? People say that, hey, good thoughts your way. Well, what's that? I mean, it's a nice thought, but when you pray, say. You have to say something. Your words are powerful. The prayers of this righteous are powerful and effective. Say, and he said, pray our Father. Pray to our Father. And so even the way Jesus prayed was different than his tradition. He'd say, man, I have a Father I can approach. I have a God who's more like a father and I'm not afraid of. I can go to him in prayer. You can come to God no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are. Someone say amen. God is approachable. He's a good father. Edmund Clowney, theologian, he said, uh, the American slang for a name is a handle. Have you ever heard that? Your handle, like if you're a truck driver, Big Bubba or Big Bertha or... (laughs) Big Bertha, (laughs) come back. (laughs) You know, what's your handle? He said the American slang for name is a handle. When it comes to God, he gave us a handle. It's Father, Abba. 
Let me get a hold of God, my Father. When you pray, say, our Father. Let me call out and get a handle on God and, and cry out to him in my place of prayer because God is a good God. He's a good Father. Do you have that place of prayer? Do you have that place where, where you've encountered God and you go back and say, God, I want to meet with you. I want you to speak with me and revolutionize my life. I love the story of Luther, Luther Wishart. I shared a few weeks ago. He's a young man, a college student who, who had heard about a prayer meeting years before, and in 1877, God had gripped his heart, and he actually, he went to the, the spot where God moved years before. He had heard about, and this sounds like, a, there's Samuel Mills and the Haystack Five. Have you ever heard of these guys? Sound like a weird band name. These were young uh, college kids that gathered to pray one day, and they gathered to pray for the nations. I believe it was in Massachusetts. And a thunderstorm blew in, huge storm. And so they hid under the leeward side of a haystack to get out of the rain. And it was there they prayed to God and cried out, God, give us the nations. And God did. God sent them to the nations. And a mission movement was born uh, in our country. And years later, this Luther Wishard had heard about that. He heard about what God was done. And he, they had built a monument in that place where the other guys had prayed. I love, I love his prayer. He came to the prayer monument and he said, God, where rivers flowed, let them flow again. You did this before, do it in my day. He wasn't satisfied with just saying, you know, I heard stories about what happened in the past. He's saying, God, would you move in our day? He went to this place, this special place, and he prayed, God, move, move here today. A really long story short, he teamed up with a guy named D.L. Moody, and they started uh, reaching college kids. They had, a, uh, they had a conference at a place called Mount Hermon. Several hundred college kids came, and nearly 200 signed a declaration, I'm going to give my life to the nations and go. Why? Because someone prayed. They had a place of prayer. Are you with me today? They had, this, they had this special, special place. You have this place of prayer, this place where you go to God, and it may not be praying for the nations, but are you praying for your family or the prayer request that we put up last week on the wall behind me? Do you have a place where you cry out to God? And so Elijah, in our story, back to the, back to the story, Elijah went to the mountain to pray. Jesus had a, a place of prayer. Uh, and God wants to challenge us today. Hey, where's that place? Where's that time? Come meet with me, God wants us to say. Number two, uh, in the story when Elijah prayed for rain, uh, what I love about it, it it's, this is what caught me off guard. God told him, hey, I'm gonna send rain. Elijah goes to go pray for rain. And the second thing, not only do we have a place of prayer, we need to pray the promises. Everyone say the promises. See, God said it would rain. Well, why pray? Right? Has ever God ever told you, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or I've got a plan for your life or I've got, maybe God's dropped a business plan in your heart or maybe God's given you a dream about a family or a future or maybe it's missions. Has God ever promised you anything? Has God ever shared a, a dream or a vision with you? Uh, see, guys, not only do we need to know the promises, we need to pray the promises. Elijah went away, and God said, hey, I'm going to send rain, and he could have went, cool. 
going to hit the golf course with school of the prophets or go off and do my thing. No, Elijah heard the promise and he went to prayer. And it's a wonder and a mystery of, of prayer. Why, why would God tell us one thing and then expect us to do something else? It's, it's the, because he likes to partner with us. He likes to partner with his people. So Elijah went and looked and he looks for clouds. You know, where are they? Where's the rain? Nothing. And so he sent his servant back <coughs> seven more times. And listen, prayer starts with what God said he will do. Prayer starts with what God said he will do. God initiates prayer. God does something in our hearts and uh, we can't dream up God-sized dreams all the time, right? We want God-sized vision. We want to know what God's vision is. We don't want to just pray our plans, right? We don't want to pray just what we want. We want to pray what God wants, like Henry Blackaby who wrote an amazing discipleship book. I think it's called Desiring God. He said, we don't choose what we will do for God. He invites us to join him where he wants to involve us. Thank you. Pray for cough drops. Give that man a hand clap. Mr. Hansen, thank you. Let's pray the promises. Like in, in Ezekiel uh, 36, God said something along these lines. He gave the nation of Israel a promise and he said, I will do this, yet I've, I have not been inquired of yet. God laid out a plan. I'm going to do this in your nation, but no one's come to me in prayer. Uh, Philip Hughes, who's a commentator, com- commentator on the Bible, talked about Paul, and, and I, he pointed this out, and I didn't think of it in this way, but Paul used these words when he wrote letters to the churches, but he said, please pray for me. Can you imagine Paul, the super apostle, right, the great preacher and orator and writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, would you pray for me? If Paul showed up today, well, it would be kind of scared, actually, I'd be like, Paul, put your hand on my head. Pray for me, right? Isn't that odd that Paul would say, hey, pray for me, but it's because he knew he needs the power of prayer. If he's going to accomplish all the great things that God has called him to do. Philip Hughes said this, prayer is stressed over and over as a vital prerequisite for the release of God's power. Over and over in the Bible, we partner with the promises. God gives you a promise and you have to pray into it. You've got to contend for it. You've got to fight for it. Do you think the enemy wants to just give you a a great life where everything's ducky? Right? So Elijah had to go back seven times and, and God, you promised what's he, what's he going on? He's going on the promise that God said. And so he had this bold confidence of go look again, go look again, go look again. If I was his servant, I'd say, hey, you go look. (laughs) I wonder if the seventh time, here's Elijah's servant. Okay, send me again. And he looks up. And what did the Bible say? There's a cloud the size of a man's hand. There's that, there's that teeny little cloud, and it's like, okay, God's on 
the move. He's going to send rain. We need to pray the promises. We need to, uh, one, one uh, writer looking at the New Testament, when he talked about prayer, he said, prayer is often presented in the present continuous tense. In other words, when Jesus said, ask me for something, I have a couple kids that love to ask for things. In fact, they'll drive you batty asking and asking. But the way Jesus, when he said, ask me, knock, or ask, what it means is ask and go on asking. Knock and go on knocking. Present continued intense. Uh, he's appointed us to ask. God loves it when we ask. God loves us. And Steve Oliver did a great job on prayer last week. You can find the message on our website. God loves to answer prayers. Jesus loves to answer your prayers, but we need to ask and go on asking. Knock and go on knocking. Contend for those promises, those things in your life that are maybe they're strongholds. Maybe it's an area of your life where you're like, man, if I could only have victory in this one area, this one thing, come on, go on asking. Go on praying. Keep on, keep on asking God. Uh, so this is how Jesus emphasized prayer. He, he said, pray the promises. Knock and the door will be open to you. Right? Ask and you will receive. So we have a place of prayer. We pray the promises. There's also, I know you guys know this because this is a church of prayer, but there's power in your prayers. The prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. Confess your sins one to another, you'll be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power in its working. It's powerful and effective. Don't pray, pray meager prayers. Well, God, if you will, I hope maybe I'm not good enough. Your prayers are powerful and effective. Did you know that? Elijah's a man just like us. He's just like you. He's not a superhuman, superhero, uh, prophet of the Old Testament. Elijah prayed and it rained. He's just like us. But his prayers are powerful, fervent prayers. That word means inherent strength or potency, power waiting to be released. Alexander McLaren said this, Elijah prayed and power was released. His prayer carried a mighty punch. <laughs> boom. Elijah prayed and boom, mighty punch. There's power in our prayers. I think of, when I think of prayer, I always think of Jacob, an Old Testament dude. It's, the Bible says he wrestled with God. I won't let go. God, no, I'm not going to let go of you. I'm going to hold on and, and fight this one out. It's strange imagery to think of, of wrestling with God. Or it's like when uh, the children of Israel at Mount Sinai, remember Moses goes up the mountain and they were real bad down below. They took all the gold and the coins and they boiled it and they made a graven image. They made a golden calf. So God's anger is fueled. He's angry at these guys. And he told Moses something along these lines. He said, leave me alone. <laughs> Basically, so I can go wipe them out. Stop interceding for them. My wrath, I'm consumed. I'm, he's a jealous God. And he was, he was, he's looking down going, man, they're worshiping something else. And, but Moses 
leave me alone. In other words, Moses is stepping into this place of intercession and saying, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not only pray the promises, there's power in my prayers. I can go to God on behalf of man. <clears throat> it's in Eze- that's Exodus 32 in verse 7, I think it is. But see, we're looking to extend God's kingdom. We're looking to, for powerful prayers. And I walked through before worship, during worship rehearsal, and looked at some of these prayers on the wall. Pray for my son, he has asthma. Pray for our finances. Pray for our house to sell. Pray for my uh, loved ones that don't know Christ. There's, there's, there's some big prayer needs on the wall back here. And those are gonna, they're gonna be accomplished through powerful prayers that we pray right? And so Elijah's a man just like us. He prayed for rain and it rained. I think we could pray for rain in western Montana. Come on. Um, Or snow. Well, maybe not yet, but if it stops the fires, Lord send snow. (laughs) So not only did Elijah have this place of prayer, he had um, power in his prayers. He also had uh, persistence, persistence. When I talked about our kids asking, it's our daughter Danica who can, she's persistent. Jess and I were just talking the other day, we need to channel her energy and focus into something super meaningful because she's so radar focused. She gets an idea in her head, look out. She'll wear me out. Dad, can I go here? Can I go here? Can I go here? Can I go here? And you're, I mean, she's just, she has, when she gets an idea, she goes for it. She grabs a hold of that thing. Like Paul said, I lay hold of that which lay hold held to me. I wonder in prayer if we've been persistent in our prayers. Have you given up? Have you thrown in the towel? Have you said, well, I'm not sure if God heals. I don't know if his power is available. I'm not sure if he's here for me. Guys, we have to be, think of that seven times. Go look for clouds, no clouds. Go look for clouds, no clouds. Persistence, he won't let go of the thought, if God, no, God told me it's going to rain. Keep knocking. Keep knocking on that door. We don't want to be like the naughty kids that run up and ring the doorbell and run away. <laughs> right? I want to be knocking and knocking and, and be at that door when God answers the door. Jesus told two stories to illustrate this. One was the unjust judge. Do you know that story? It's a lady who had this request to the judge and she came to him and he'd say no and send her away. And she'd ask again and he'd send her away. And finally the judge says, man, she's going to wear me out by her continual coming. Jesus actually told that story in reference to prayer of, man, keep after it. Keep praying, don't give up, don't stop, keep praying. And then he shared a story of the friend at midnight where people don't have any food and they come to their friend at midnight. Can you imagine? Knock on the door, who is it? We need bread. (laughs) Take a hike, right? What do you want? We need bread. They go to the neighbors, boom, 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 boom. What do you want? I need bread. Actually, they said, I need three loaves of bread. You know, we can be specific in our prayer. Thank you. It was Yangi Cho in his book on prayer. He said, 
I was asking God for things and God reminded me to ask very specific prayers. Yangi Cho had one time the largest church in the world, Seoul, South Korea, like a million people in his church, something crazy like that. And he said what the church was founded on was the power of prayer. But God taught him at one time to be very specific. And Yangi Cho is praying for a bike and he prayed for a desk. And God said, well, what kind of bike? What kind of desk? You're just praying for a bike. I don't know what you want. And Yangi Cho said, I want an American bike and a mahogany desk. And you know what happened the next week? An American bike and a mahogany desk. Now, I don't think God's our genie in the sky where we, I want this and that and this, but when we pray, God wants us to pray specific prayers. Amazing that, that um, they said, give us three loaves of bread. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. Have you had the heart of prayer in that way where we, God, give us our city. When we go to pray downtown, God, give us downtown. We want to reach our city for Jesus. God, give us the Bitterroot Valley. God, give me my coworkers. Boom, 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 boom. God, I'm praying for my lost loved ones that haven't turned to you. Boom, 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 boom. God, I've got this issue in my life and I'm, I haven't seen victory. I want to come at you like the, like the persistent widow that just knocks on the doors of heaven and, and goes after God and gets a hold of God's heart. Come on, pray with persistence, guys. Uh, you know, pray with, uh, we have such an immediate immediacy in our generation where we have phone apps that you can, I have an app where I can push a button and I can sign up to get a haircut, right? And if it's too long, I don't go. It's like a uh, 40-minute wait. Oh, you know what I mean? We're pretty spoiled. I can push a button, Pandora radio, and have any radio station I want unless the internet's down. Oh, Lord, I rebuke the enemy. You know, it's funny what really gets our prayer life going, isn't it? Wireless is down. I bind Satan, you know. Um, we have such a, uh, we're so used to getting things quick, what we want, but let's pray with persistence. Elijah went back seven times, man, go look, and he finally saw that cloud. Andrew Murray said this, what a heavenly mystery in per persevering prayer. The God who has promised and longed, longs and fixed purpose to give blessings, he trains us in the school of answered delayed and trains us in persevering prayer so we can reach heaven. He trains us in answered delayed. We, we don't always get what we want, but God teaches us to pray and to go after him and, and to learn perseverance. It's like in Isaiah where God, it says, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. The Lord waits to be gracious to Yangi Cho, I referenced earlier, slide 13, Ephraim. It says this, in prayer, you can read it on the screen, the Christian enters the priestly role of providing an earthly base for God's heavenly interest. This age has become a battleground for two opposing forces, but God has a group in the foreign land that is to bring the influence of the age to come to pull in his power. Think about that. God has placed us here. We have a priestly role as believers, not just pastors at a church, but as believers, followers of Christ, 
to go after God's heavenly interests, and we do that through prayer. Are you guys with me today? The last thing, we can get quite, when we don't see answered prayer, we can get quite negative. And this is to point five that some of you really wanted to hear. <laughs> Politically correct prayers. And I have to confess, this point's born out of a little frustration, so I want to watch my words. But I think of Elijah who, he could have wore out. He could have grown weary in well-doing. God, you said it would rain, I'm mad at you. You promised this. He could have gotten on the, the Ahab or the Jezebel trip and complained about the enemy, but he said, no, pray for rain. He had, somehow he stayed positive in his prayers and politic, politically correct prayers is all about staying positive. And the other day, um, I was looking at social media and a train derailed out by St. Regis. Did anyone else see that? It was a coal train. And the train derailed by the river, and I clicked on it. Wow, look at that. And that picture and that comment of, man, pray for the railroad, pray for these guys, this train derailment unhurled this amazing debate about fossil fuels, about the environment, about, you know what, when someone's train derails, it's not maybe the time to start complaining about your views or what we're mad about. I'm going to get under our skin here a bit. You know, guys, there's so many. I, I look at the, the state of our culture and the state of our nation, and people are like so on edge. We're ready to make a comment. Someone made a comment about Hurricane Harvey. Is it Harvey? We need to be praying, man, for Kevin Overbeck and his church down by Houston and all those people there. But someone made a post, and because they put that but didn't post about the Montana fires, people are getting upset. Right, what about us? Well, yeah, what, we are in a state of emergency, but people are so on edge and so politically charged that we can't look at something without thinking of our opinion and not getting God's heart and going to prayer. Guys, we need, we, need to, we need to settle down. Let me ask this question. How many of you have ever been changed by a, a public post on, on uh, social media that was of the opposite side? How many of you has that changed your mind? Wow, I, I really, yeah, I, I really agree with that post. Boy, they, I'm going to really think about that. How many of you? Right or left or in between? <laughs> okay, good. Oh, good. You know, we throw up posts as if to get in someone's face. That rarely ever changes someone's mind. It's like poking someone. Instead of poking the culture, let's pray for the culture. Instead of getting discouraging or negative, let's start to pray and not look for a, a, a point to, man, the coal car's tipped over and some really upset. I'm gonna, you know what, if there's a, tra a national, national tragedy or something happens, let's not use it as a moment. This happens every time, and I can say it today because there hasn't been a shooting or a school shooting, but every time that happens within 24 hours, people start not shooting bullets, but shooting at each other. And maybe that day, the day something happens, that's not the day to shoot out. 
That's the day to pray. That's the day to go to God and say, God, we have this power in prayer and, and let's see the God of heaven change people's hearts and change people's minds. And Elijah was a man like us. He prayed for rain somehow in the face of adversity. And with Ahab and Jezebel and everything in between and everything he faced in three years of drought, he said, no, God is the God who's gonna provide rain. And he prayed for rain. Politically correct prayers. All right? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, I'm sorry, to, I'm a little fired up about it. I just think it's, um, here's, here's our closing consequences uh, for the message, how we're gonna go into prayer. Um, I'd love for you, and Jim, could you and Jim, you and Suzanne come up and just uh, start to play? We don't need the whole uh, worship team. But I want you to find a place of prayer. For me, it's been the front porch, and I have to admit the other day, Jess and I had sat down and I'd opened my phone, uh, which is amazing, actually. It has this thing called Netflix <laughs> and Hulu. <laughs> Jess and I have never had cable or TV or satellite, but now it's on my phone, the world at my fingertips. And I had flipped on a show, I don't even know what it was, it was probably dumb. And just thought I'm gonna veg out and watch a show and it's like God grabbed my heart. It's like I felt God grab my heart and say, I wanna talk. And it was almost like he was, our doors to my left, I laid in bed and it was almost like he grabbed my heart and pulled me to the side. And I went out on the front porch, which has been my place of prayer, flipped on a little bit of music. And God just started to break in, and I thought, thank you, Lord. I want to meet with you. I, I don't want my faith life to be redundant. I don't want it to be religious. I want to walk with God. I want to be someone that talks with God. I want to be... Like it says of Enoch, he met with, he, he walked with God. Moses knew God like a man knows God face to face like a man knows his friend. Do you have that place? Find that place of prayer, that place where God, you can meet with God personally. Uh, you can be praying for us at 1230, our elders who meet and have had a business meeting every Tuesday at 1230. We've said, you know what, we're gonna go to prayer. If we have business we need to handle, we'll cover that at the end in a few minutes, but this season in this life of this church, we're gonna pray. I'll tell you what, last week, hour and a half went by like that. We cried out for a city and for you and the church and God drawing us to prayer. In the Bitterroot, I went down Sunday night to meet with some of the leaders in the Bitterroot, their home group, and they're praying about having a, a service there next year in 2018. And I opened the door to Buck and Jamie's house. Do you know what they're doing? Praying. I thought, yeah. Here they are, half of them on their knees, and they're crying out to God, God, give us the valley, give us the, give us the bitter at prayer. And I just sort of sat and thought and sat to the side until they said, Come in. But I was just so thrilled to watch them pray. See them pray downtown <coughs> on the tenth, six PM with the, the downtown crew going to go worship and pray. Our prayer requests on the wall, we have extra slips. If you weren't here, uh, write down our prayer requests. In fact, after the meeting, if you haven't seen these, come up and walk and look at these. 
Look at what people are praying for. Look at some of the needs that they're praying for. Allow us to maybe come in during the week and come up and lay your hands on those and just start to pray for uh, people in the church. Maybe get the, your prayer request and put it on the wall like, like Luther uh, nailed the edict to the wall, but just say, God, we're gonna pray and believe that you're a good God and you answer prayer. You with me? I want you to consider another action step. I want you to consider Isaiah 62.6. I've put watchmen on the wall who cry out day and night. They remind God of, of what he said. Guys, what, what I'd like you to do, and this, this is a way to use our smartphone in a smart way. How many know there's a reminder? Siri, remind me to stop at Costco on the way home. Or Siri, remind me to, whatever, make it to church Sunday morning, 10 a.m. I'd like you at 6.26 in the morning, gasp, or 6.26 in the evening, make a reminder. Just tell your phone or plug that in and say, remind me at 6.26 to pray through this verse. I want to be a watchman. I want to be a watchwoman that cries out. And imagine the, the, the power of our cumulative prayers at the same time, not together here on a Sunday morning, but at the same time in the morning, if, if I knew I'm getting up at 626 and there's 50 of you taking five minutes right then to say, God, yeah, I'm a watchman on the wall. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for my city and pray for my church. Maybe you're not a morning person, 626 p.m., that's your ticket, right? Plug that in, just a, a reminder. It doesn't need to be long, but say, God, I, I, wanna, I wanna pray and connect with God, with you and connect for my city and, and uh, see God do amazing things. Can we do that? Another thing on the 17th here, that's a Sunday. We have pre-service prayer at 9.15 every, every Sunday before service, but we're gonna start meeting at nine. Bruce and Shirlene and a few others are gonna right at nine, take about 10 minutes and do a teaching on prayer. We feel like we really want to hone in and hone the church in on prayer. For 10 minutes, we're going to teach each other about prayer, and then we're going to go to pray for this meeting. We do that every Sunday morning. We're just adding this 9 a.m. small teaching. That's in two Sundays. Why? Because we believe God's up to big things. We believe God, we want to lay hold of the promises of God. Are you doing that in prayer? Come on, guys. We want to be a church that prays, and not just on our own. This, you know, not just 626, it's all about me, but pray in your group. Pray with your family. Pray here. Prayer, we're going to see a corporate wave of prayer hit this church, and things are going to, things are going to happen, guys. Things are going to happen because God's on the move. D.A. Carson said uh, something like this. He said, Prayer is not like carpentry or cookery, but an active relationship and a personal relationship that exercises us and moves us into God. What is he saying, carpentry or cookery? It's not like a recipe, right? Here's step one, step two, step three. It's not like carpentry. Here's how you build a house. Prayer is a, a relationship. So I want you to take these just steps, these things, and let God breathe on them today. Make it about relationship with him, not about a format. Okay, but let's engage with God. Would you join me at 626? 626 a.m. and p.m. Set that, 
Many of you are up already at that time, but just set a note and let's pray together as a church and see God do huge things. Amen, let's stand.